Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the Senior Pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Today we want to talk on the teaching that I've been doing on how our emotions can determine our decisions and our destiny. In my last message, we've looked at the emotion of fear and how fear can control our thoughts and control our behavior. Fear is a destiny destroyer. It destroys our destiny. Many people have abandoned God's will for their lives, God's talents, God's aspiration for their lives, all because of fear. And so if you've not heard that message, it's on our YouTube and also on our website. You can listen to part one dealing with fear. This is how God intended all of us to live. And I got this picture that will remind you of the last time I preached. I mentioned that God never intended for us to be governed by our emotions. We were created to be led by the Spirit. The horse represents our human spirit. The carriage represents our emotions, our will, and our thinking. And that's how man was supposed, or man was designed to live. Led by the Spirit, the Spirit leads our mind, our thinking, our emotions, and we follow. We follow in line with what the Spirit is saying. But when man sinned, the order was reversed, and this is what happened. Our emotions became a leading factor, and we are governed by our emotions, and our spirit is taking the back seat. Now, you heard the saying, putting the cup before the horse, we're very good at that. When we're putting the cup before the horse, and some of us are stuck, not being able to make progress in your life, especially in your Christian life. You're stuck with decision-making because you're governed by your emotions and your reasoning rather than the Spirit of God. Today, we're going to look at another emotion called anger. How many of you know what anger is? Yeah, some of you know it very, very well. And so, as we look at this emotion of anger, we see how anger can determine our decisions and also our destiny. The book of Genesis talks about a very interesting person called Cain. Cain and Abel were their first children born of Adam and Eve. Cain is the oldest son, and he became a farmer Abel is the second born of Adam and Eve, and he chose to be a shepherd. We see in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, when Abel brought a sacrifice to God, he brought the firstborn of his flock and of the fat. Now, this speaks of his attitude of worship towards God. He didn't bring any animal from his flock. He brought the first one, the chosen one. He brought the best from his flock. And God respected Abel and his offering. He found favor with God. God blessed him. Abel understood that the only sacrifice that's worthy to bring before God is a blood sacrifice. Where did he learn it from? He learned it from his parents, Adam and Eve. But when you look at verse 3, Cain also brought his offering to God but he brought an offering which is from the ground, the fruit of the ground. And it says in verse 5, God did not respect his offering. 
And Cain just did not become angry. He was very angry. Who was he angry with? He was angry with God and his countenance fell. You know, when a person is angry, it shows on their face. Have you seen yourself in the mirror when you're angry? You understand, your countenance changes, you're furious, you're boiling on the inside. It affects your countenance. Now, there are three reasons why God didn't accept Cain's uh, sacrifice. One, his sacrifice came from the ground, and the ground was cursed because of Adam and Eve's sin. And he brought something from the, from the ground which didn't have God's favor on him. The second reason, sweat was a result of the fall, was a result of sin. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. Sweat is not a blessing, it's a curse. It talks about striving, it talks about human effort. And Cain brought a sacrifice based on his own effort and his own striving. And the third reason God rejected his sacrifice, it was a sacrifice of convenience. Anything that came to him, he took it off the ground and offered it to God. Cain thought that he could earn God's favor and God's blessings on his life. And there are many people, even today, are like Cain. We come with our efforts of praying and reading and fasting and doing our good works, and we think that's a very good offering before God. But you cannot come with our righteousness before God. Nothing can credit us as righteous what we do. We are not justified by our works. And I believe that Cain was the first one that initiated religion. Religion is man's effort to please God. And all religions has that element of doing something and people can become very ritualistic in order to gain God's blessings, God's favor, and God's acceptance upon their lives. And God rejected it. And let me quote to you from Isaiah. It says, all our righteousness are like filthy rags in the eyes of God. You can never take credit for any blessing in our lives. We can only be grateful for his mercy, his goodness, and say, God, I am blessed because of your son, Jesus. Now, the only sacrifice that's worthy of acceptance is a blood sacrifice. And Abel understood that from his parents. Right through the generations, you see the innocent blood of a sheep or a goat was sacrificed for the redemption of man Till the day Jesus, the Lamb of God, shed his innocent blood for the redemption of mankind, and it ended all sacrifices from that day onwards. That's why God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice. But with Cain, God was not pleased because it determined his attitude, his casual attitude and the attitude of just whatever is convenient, bring it to God. Now, people who try to earn God's favor, earn God's blessings or God's acceptance are people who strive a lot. And they're always looking at what must I do if I read three chapters a day, if I spend one hour praying, if I do some witnessing and attend all church meetings, probably that will earn God's favor. And that's a big no-no in the eyes of God. 
You do that because you want to enjoy your relationship with God. You do it because you want to get to know God. You don't do it to earn an acceptance of God's blessings upon your life. Because if you go down that road, you will be very, very disappointed. Like Cain, you will be dejected, you will be angry, and you will be disappointed. And I know I'm talking to people here this morning where you have put in your best towards God. But it didn't go your way, and you landed up disappointed and even angry. If Adam and Eve laid the foundation of all human behavior, listen to what I'm saying. If Adam and Eve laid the foundation by giving into fear, negative fear, it set the stage for all human behavior. Every single human being begins to operate out of how Adam and Eve operated, fear God or hide from God and hide from people. And that's why we wear masks, we put on facades, because we don't want to come in the light and live truthfully before God and with one another. We copy Adam and Eve, passing down a behavior pattern that's affected every person in the human race. Now, Cain comes along, the firstborn of Adam and Eve, and he contributes to the human behavior. And he's the first person in the Bible who felt he had the right to hold anger in his heart against God. And today you find a lot of people in the church and out of the church holding anger against God. They're angry with God. They're disappointed with God. Let's look at what the Bible says in verse 6. Genesis chapter 4 verse 6. ESV version. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? You notice one thing. God takes notice of your emotions. When you're fearful, he knows you're, uh, you're fearful. When he's angry, he knows you're angry. He didn't rebuke Cain for being angry. And that's a very important thing. Whatever you go through, God takes notice of what you feel. You feel downcast. You feel happy. You feel encouraged. He's uh, fully aware of what our emotional state is. And so God sees Cain in this emotion of anger. That's what anger is. Anger is an emotion. And God says to him, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Why are you looking so downcast? You notice that anger is an ungodly reaction. And if you want to write this down, you can write it down. Anger is an ungodly reaction when we do not get our way. Isn't that true? Anger is an ungodly reaction when man doesn't get his own way. When I say man, I'm talking about mankind. When we don't get our way. Why are children upset with the, angry with their parents? They don't get their way. Why are wives upset with their husbands? They don't get their way. Why are husbands upset with their wives? Because they don't get their way. Why do you get upset with people? Because you, you don't get your way. The root is basically we don't get what we want and we get angry. Cain thought he can have God's favor, God's blessing on his life on his own terms and he expected God to bless him. You can't get God's blessings on our terms. We get God's blessings and God's favor on his terms. Now I noticed something about the human being. We love privileges 
but we don't like responsibilities. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We like to have a nice pet, but somebody must take that pet for a walk and clean up the mess. Can I hear anyone shout an amen for that one? We like to have a clean house, but someone else must take the responsibility to clean the house. We like to have a clean car, but somebody else must clean the car. We always have this attitude of enjoying privileges, but leaving the responsibility for someone. And that attitude reflects in our Christian life. How does it reflect in our Christian life? We come to God and say, God, I want all the blessing, but responsibility, let the pastor fulfill that responsibility. Just give us the blessing. I'm glad nobody shouted an amen for that one. You see, we don't like responsibility, but we like the blessing. But blessing and responsibility comes together. Cain wanted the blessing, but he didn't want the responsibility. Look at God's advice to Cain, verse 7. If you do well, if you do what's right, you will be accepted. So God is saying you don't have a reason to be angry or to feel dejected. If you do the right thing, if you bring the right sacrifice, you will be blessed, you will be accepted. Not only did God give him a bit of advice in his, in his time of emotional anger, God gave him a warning. Listen to the warning. If you do not do well, if you don't do right, sin is crouching. God never says, I'm going to punish you. I don't know where that thought came from. When we tell people, if you don't do right, God's going to punish you. I can't see any of that in the Bible. And all it says, God tells Cain, if you don't do right, you will have a companion. And this companion will be crouching at the door. What's his name? What's his name? Sin. Sin is a being. It's spiritual. Sin is spiritual. Sin has a desire. And it says... If you do not do well, sin is crouching. Look at how God defines sin as a being. It's crouching. Not only is crouching at the door, it has a desire. I looked up the Hebrew word. Not that I'm a Hebrew scholar, but I looked up. I somehow felt, let's see what the word desire means. And it says longing and craving. You know how you long for some good food? The enemy is sitting at the door when you're angry and his mouth is drooling. He's longing, he's craving. And why he's craving? It goes in, it's because it's contrary to you. It's going to work against you. It's not going to bless you, it's going to oppose you. But here's another good advice. You must, can you say the word must? You must rule over it. What it? Your emotion of anger. You must master your emotion of anger. Because if you don't master your anger then your emotions will master you. Don't get angry. God never took away Cain's free will. God never says, Cain, you better bring the best offering. Didn't give him a choice. That's God's character. That's the nature of God. And ever since that day, he's always giving us a choice. God will lay a choice before you and say, if you do right, you will be blessed. But if you don't do what's right, there's somebody crouching at the door. He's desiring to have you. And that desire is not a good desire. It's a desire to destroy. Our emotions are indicators. It's an indicator of what you desire. That's what our emotions are. What you do with your emotions will determine whether it's godly or ungodly. 
but we all have those indicators very much active on the inside of us, which are emotions. What does the Bible say regarding anger? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, let me put the context before you. The apostle Paul is talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to a group of believers in Ephesus. And this is Paul's warning to the Christians. Be angry. So it's okay to be angry. But do not let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. That means there's a time frame. Now don't say, I'll start in the morning so I have more time to vent my anger. Don't give in to it. But it says, before the sun goes down, before you can go to bed, make sure that you are the master over your emotion of anger. And this is applicable to any emotion, not just anger. You can make it applicable to fear also. Before the sun goes down, I'm going to deal with this fear. Before the sun goes down, I'm going to deal with this emotion of anger. And look at what he says then. He says, do not sin in your anger and do not let the sun go down on your head, on your rod, nor give place. The word place is topos. It's a Greek word, which means authority. Do not give the devil authority in your life, a foothold in your life. So what the apostle Paul is saying is the same thing that God told Cain. He says, if you do what's right, you will be blessed. But if you don't, sin is crouching at the door. Paul the apostle puts it in a different context and says, if we don't deal with our emotion of anger, then the enemy, the devil, and he spells it out as the devil, will have authority of foothold in your life. Now, people ask me this question, how can a believer have a demon? Well, how did Paul say, you're a believer, but if you give in to anger, the enemy will come and ride on, on that anger and destroy you. We see many people delivered from this thing of anger. It's a problem. Here's a helpful question for you to ask yourself. If my emotions are not under my control then under whose control is my emotion? Isn't that a good question to ask yourself? I'm going to repeat it again. If your emotion is not under your control, ask yourself, then who's controlling my emotion? Is it the spirit of anger? Is it fear? And then subsequent Sundays, we'll look at other emotions. Is your emotions controlling you? What is the fruit of the spirit? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is nothing but an expression of God's emotions in our lives. Love, joy, peace are emotions. God has emotions. He created us in His image and likeness. He gave us emotions. And when we submit our emotions to God, it gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to manifest godly emotions through us. That's what it is to be a Christian, submitting our emotions to God. Now, one fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and I like that, because self-control is about the Holy Spirit giving us an ability to control our emotions. You, I, even up to this today, we have no control over our emotions unless God steps in. Our emotions are like a wild horse. Before you can know it's running, it's leading you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can show some emotions now. Yeah, good, okay. You see, our emotions, you wake up in the morning, and before you know what's 
hitting you, someone says something and your emotions are activated. And throughout the day, that emotion begins to govern your thinking, your behavior, your thoughts, your decisions. Can be that bad. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Self-control. Can you say the word self-control? That means control your emotions. Bring your emotions under your control. That's what God told Cain. You must master your emotion of anger. You must rule. You must have authority over our emotions. You know what? There are so many Christians. Forget the people in the world. In the church, our emotions are all over the place. Anything will cry. Anything will shout. Anything will fear. Make, make us fear. Hey, you need to be a Christian. Oh, sorry. I said that. But anyway, you need to be a Christian. Learning to handle your emotions in a proper way. Otherwise, your emotions will destroy you. It will ruin you of your decisions and your destiny. And there are many people who have lost out on good opportunities. Lost good jobs. Lost their marriage. Lost their family because of an ungodly emotion. I'm not getting into the details of those things. I keep hearing it all the time. Make a mess because of an emotional response. Look at what it says in verse 8, Genesis chapter 4. Cain, in spite of having God advise him, in spite of God warning him of sin, crouching at the door, having his desire to work against him, look at what Cain does. Takes his brother for a walk. And then when they reach a field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain found it far much more easier to sacrifice his brother than to sacrifice an animal. Cain found it much more easier to spill the blood of his brother than to spill the blood of, of an animal. You notice that when your emotions get the better of you, you will do insane things. Are you okay with me saying that to you? You will do things which are not reasonable. Why are so many people murdered today? Why do people get sexually abused and raped? Because of emotions out of control. They can't handle themselves. And here is Cain, didn't listen to God's advice, didn't master his emotion of anger, and now what? It becomes easier for him to do the wrong thing than to do the right. How many of you agree with me? All of us find it much more easier to do the wrong than the right. Put your hand up. I like the way I said that. Put your hand up. Even if you don't, I know you do. You know, it's our human nature to do the wrong thing. You know, you don't even have to think it. It's so easy to do wrong. But to do the right thing, it's so much more difficult. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need self-control. To control that emotion and not allow us to do the wrong things. When your emotions are under the devil's control, he pushes us to do the things that we don't even want to do. And I know that all of us here, at some time or the other, have done things which we have regretted. Isn't that true? We regret it deeply. You know why we regret it? Because in that moment of emotion, you didn't process things. You didn't process the action that you had to take. Your emotions got the better of you. And now and it ruined that situation. You may look at me and say, look, I'm not going to kill anyone. Hopefully not. But there are times in your mind, you have gone through hurt and disappointment that you said in your heart, if I can get my strangle his neck for him. <laughs> I thank you for that laugh. That's a nice way of acknowledging. 
God, God, you know what? I don't want to hit him, but you hit him for me. And we think that's righteous anger. No, 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 that's ungodly anger. You see, we find it far more easier to character assassinate someone. We so easy kill someone's reputation. We so easy kill their good intentions because of hurt and anger that's there in our heart. Because it's far more easier to say something about an individual than to bring that hurt and to bring that anger under God's control, under the control of the Spirit. So we give vent to it. Can you please say this after me? Sin is spiritual. And sin has a desire. Can you say that more convincingly, please? Sin is spiritual. And it has a desire. You know, for a long time, we thought that sin is saying a bad word or sin is an action. Sin is beyond an action. Sin is beyond just saying something abusive. Sin is spiritual. It originated from Satan himself. And not only sin is spiritual, when you deal with it as spiritual, that's the moment you will get victory. But if you look at sin as an activity or some wrong action, you will keep falling in that sin over and over again. But when you recognize it's motivated by the enemy, it has spiritual ability to destroy you, you will deal with it as an individual. You'll deal with it as a personality. Now let me take you to scriptures, starting from the gospel, where Jesus said that temptation originated from the devil. And he's the motivator behind it. We make this the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 13. Do not and do not lead us into temptation. That's a prayer that God, Jesus was telling his disciples. Pray that you will not be led into temptation. But deliver us from the, can you say that? What's written? Evil? Did it say evil thing or evil one? So Jesus didn't say protect yourself from the evil thing or evil behavior. Evil one, individual, in evil one. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then God makes Cain a point of reference for all of us to learn a lesson. Don't. You know, the Bible says in Jude 1, 11, woe to those who go the way of Cain. You know, woe is not a blessing. When someone says woe to you, they're not blessing you. You know, trouble is coming. And God's saying in Jude 1.11, Woe to those who go the way of Cain. What did Cain do? 1 John 3.11. Notice Cain, who was of the wicked one, submitted himself to the wicked one, murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Envy, jealousy provoked his anger that he eradicated his brother. John chapter 17 verse 15. I do not pray. Now this is the time when Jesus made his last prayer on earth. Before he could ascend in the heaven, into heaven. And he prayed for the disciples and he prayed for all of us who would believe in his name. And this is his prayer. The Father would not take us out of this world, but that you would keep them from the evil. You see, for many years in my Christian life, the devil was non-existent. If anything good happened, okay, God. If anything bad happened, God. And that the theology we were brought up with. 
and so happened they were more bad than good, so we made God a bad God. And we all have an image about God in our mind, which is contrary to what the scripture says. When you begin to realize there is an enemy in this world. One person wrote a, a note to me saying, why can't you send all these demons to the lake and eradicate them? Why are they around tormenting people? And I thought to myself, I wish I could do it. We'd all ganged up on the devil, wiped them out long ago. Do you know, there is an appointed time for his destruction. And as long as we are alive on this earth, the enemy is alive and active. That's why God gave you an armor. He didn't give you an armor to come to church. Why, this is not such a dangerous place. He didn't give you an armor, you know, when you meet your friends. You don't need an armor, unless they're really ungodly friends. He gave you an armor because he knew that we are facing the enemy and the enemy is an individual that wants to oppose the will of God in our life. He gave us an armor so that we will rise up and put the enemy in his place and submit our emotions to God. That's why he, he gave us an armor to be protected from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. There is a God in heaven who wants to protect us. And I want to say this again and again and again. Satan is not terrified of a God in heaven. He's terrified, he's petrified of a God that's on the inside of us. Somebody shout an amen. That's what Satan is terrified about. And God is able to protect us because God wants to dwell and manifest himself through you and me. You walk in the revelation and in the understanding that greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that's in this world. You will have your shoulders back. And if someone says the devil is around, you'll say, where is he? And then he'll regret. Who? The enemy will regret. You see, because you live in the understanding that the God on the inside of you is a God that defeated Satan 2,000 years ago. And everything that's under Jesus' feet is now under our feet. We have the authority. We have the presence of God dwelling on the inside of us. That's why 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, The Lord is faithful. He will establish you. He will guard you. And he will keep you from the evil one. As a child of God, you have no right to be fearful of the enemy. You have only one right, and that's to be fearful of God. When I talk about the fear of God, I'm not being frightened that God will punish you, but the fear of God is a reverence towards God. It's a respect for God. It's an acknowledgement of the greatness of God. And that's the only right response that God wants us to have. You see, anger is one of the most destructive emotions. You know, when we're angry, you notice when you were growing up, you always blame someone for your anger. Can I hear an acknowledgement of that one? If someone hit you or someone took something, you got angry and corrected you. No, she, she, she took it. That's why I got angry. And from a very young age, we have learned to justify our anger. What did we learn? We become masters at justifying our anger. And we begin to cultivate that anger towards God. And we think we're justified to hold anger against God. We have anger against other people. And we think, wow, he did that. If he didn't do that, I wouldn't have got angry. It's like saying, if nobody messed with you, you're the most righteous person. Go to heaven then. That's the only place nobody will mess with you. But as long as you're in this world, welcome. I know. 
You have some people, you don't need the devil around. They have enough to do damage to you. And you know what? We need to be alert. We need to stop blaming other people for our anger. Your anger is your anger, and you need to take responsibility for it. There's no use of blaming your mother-in-law, father-in-law, husband, wife. Because of him I married, that's why I got angry. No, that's your choice also. Your anger is your anger. You got to deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, the Bible didn't say the enemy is crouching for your husband's anger. Your anger. Your emotion, you're responsible. You need to master it. You need to take rule over your emotions. Now let's look at some of these lovely scriptures that the Bible talks about. Anger. Okay for that? Okay, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. Don't be quick to be angry. Don't do it. Why? For anger rests in the bosom of fools. And some of us have piled up a lot of anger on the inside. It's all stood up. All you need someone to just touch you, and it all comes out. It's in your bosom. You see, anger is never the root of a problem. Anger is only the fruit of an unresolved hurt and a disappointment in the individual's life. You nurse a hurt, you nurse that disappointment, and in your bosom, you give room for anger to come. And there are some people who are just angry people. You say good things to them, they're angry. You say, I mean, you try your best, they still get angry. <laughs> Don't put your hand up if you know who I'm talking about. Oh, you know, whatever. He's just angry. You know, you, you don't know what to say around him. Best to keep quiet. <laughs> you get angry for that also, keeping quiet. You're right. But never mind. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 22. An angry person stirs up conflict. Wherever you see division, wherever you see conflict, wherever you see a breakdown in relationship, behind that, you will find an angry person. True? If you've not found it, you have a lot to observe in this week. Because wherever there is conflict, wherever there is misunderstanding, you will find an angry, anger is the root of it. An angry person, even if there's no reason for conflict, will stir up conflict. A hot-tempered person commits many sins in the way they talk, the way they behave. James chapter 1 gives us very good advice. Now again, the apostle James is talking to believers... And he's warning them of how to handle their emotions, particularly with anger. My dear brothers and sisters, he's very compassionately addressing them. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. This is important. Everybody. Who's that? Who's he talking to? Everybody. Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You like to try that with someone next to you? I hope you don't get angry with them. But you tell them that. For this week, I'm going to practice what it is to be quick to listen. Practice. Tell, 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 tell them. <laughs> quick to listen. Slow to speak. And You see, we are so used to living with the cart in front of the horse. And so what? We pile up all our emotions of anger. That when you're angry, you're not even thinking what you're saying. You're just saying something. You're so quick to speak. Even the poor person not even finished the statement you already got. In your anger, you said something. 
You're not even listening. Quick to anger. When a person is like that angry, all you've got to do is remind them of Ecclesiastes. You know what Ecclesiastes? Anger is rest in the bosom of fools. And just run away from that. Stare in their bosom. You know, our relationships will be saved. The church will be in a better place. If we only practice James chapter 1 verse 19, our homes will be better. Our our relationships will be more godly. What are the three things? I like it. Go one more time. What are the three things? <laughs> so you can practice at home. When one partner gets angry, you start out slow. You just keep going. Anger. That doesn't work, then you use Ecclesiastes. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. An advice to us. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. NKG version talks about an angry. Don't even make friends with a hot-tempered person. Look at what it goes on to say. Do not even associate with one who gets easily angered. Why? Why don't have friends, be friends with them? Why don't associate with them? Because you will learn their ways and you will get, what's the word? Ensnared. You know what ensnared means? Trapped. You'll be trapped with them. You will not be able to get out of that relationship. And not only you will be in that trap, they would damage you, they will violate you, they will override your free will and they will be in a place of bondage. You will learn their ways. You'll become like them. Sooner or later, you also will be an angry person. That's why single people, when you want to get married to someone, first quality, see if they're angry. If they're angry, don't associate with them. You know what the New Testament says? Don't even eat with them. You check up, you do, Google or whoever. You check up and see... It says, don't even, that's the standard in the New Testament. Don't even eat. You know why? Because when you eat and associate with a person, you become angry like that person. And then if you get angry with the, the person you married, that's all your fault. You get two volatile people. You're angry, you're angry. You have competition. You have a war zone at home. And those of you who are married, you're better off or worse. God help you. You're getting to a season of fasting and praying. He says, don't even associate. Why, it's so easy to learn the ways of an angered man. So easy. You start using the same words. If you're coming from a family where your father was angry, you will notice you'll behave just like your father. You use the same words, your father. You're angry with him. You don't want to be like him, but you're associated like with him. You'll be angry like him. Till you bring that to repentance and let God deal with it and set you free. And not only for a man being angry like a mother also. You get a lot of hot-tempered uh, women. You learn their ways. Be careful. Here's a golden rule. Golden rule. I thank God. I don't know who this person was. But somewhere down the line when I was a young, as a bachelor, he sowed this principle in my life. And I've always held on to it. Never make a decision when you're emotional. That's why when you're emotional, always ask someone for their opinion. You know why? It'll be not based on your emotions, not based on your perspective. And that's why it's good that in 
your time of emotions. Refrain from making decisions. Get your emotions in order. Get your emotions in line. Get your emotions being healed before you make a, a decision and you will end up making a right decision. I want you to see from Cain's life how his anger determined his decision and killed his brother and that decision determined his destiny. Look at the destiny. Genesis chapter 4 verse 10. And the Lord said, What have you done, Cain? The voice of your brother's blood, that's Abel's, crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You will not get the produce that it would give, because wherever you work, that ground will be cursed. And then you will be a fugitive, always running away. And you'll be a wanderer on the earth. No purpose, no direction. You know, you read the story. Cain doesn't ask for mercy. Ask God, just reduce the punishment. That's what anger does. It becomes, it's a form of insanity. Your anger can become a form of insanity. You will do things that you never thought you will do because of your anger. Don't let anger be your master. Don't allow anger to rule your decisions. And secondly, never let it rob your destiny that God has in store for you. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.